Thanks for joining us today. You're not here by accident. I believe that God is going to impart a message of hope to you today. And at Summit Christian Center, well, that's what we're all about, bringing messages of hope to people here and around the world. You can play a part in this by simply going online to summitsa.com. That's summitsa.com and select giving. Your giving enables us to keep the messages going forward. Thanks for joining us today and may God richly bless you. Zechariah chapter four. We began a two-part series last week, we finished today, called Small Things Really Matter. And we said that our principal thought, the takeaway, was that great things of destiny, we all want them, spring out of daily faithfulness in the little thing, the obscure, the marginalized, the overlooked. And God began by telling us how much wisdom he, came, he gave to a guy named Solomon. King Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived as a human being. And God began to tell us last week that God gave him phenomenal wisdom about a lot of stuff. It says, from the great cedars of Lebanon all the way down to that little paintbrush of a plant, which is very common in Israel, called hyssop. So God says that's a poetic way to say God's wisdom covers the great things, and the little things we tend to take for granted. Now, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 through 10. God speaking to the prophet. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Who are you, O mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become flat land. And God wants to say to you, whatever challenge is in front of you, God is not asking a question, who are you, almighty mountain? He, it's sort of like the inflection of the voice would be, who do you think you are, you mighty mountain? I'm going to smash you flat in front of my, of my righteous. I'm going to bring you down. Isn't that what David said? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of God? When you are a believer bought with the blood of Jesus, you are begotten of God. You're his seed. You're his child. He's given you authority. He's made you a priest and a king, and you don't have to be a good, I'll just take it. You don't have to take it. You can give it. You can give it right back. So don't be passive and don't be compliant or else you'll get run over all your life. So he says, then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it, God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also complete it. In every trial I have ever faced, I have claimed Philippians 1.6. That which I have begun in you, I will perform it until the day of Jesus. So if God started something in you, it doesn't matter if the doctor said it's stage four. It doesn't matter if the company has now let go employees in downsizing and you're already in middle age. What will I do? If I began it, God said, I will perform it. I don't care if it's a legal lawsuit. I don't care if it's a divorce. I don't care what it is. If God started it in your life, he will finish it. If he has to back up the sun 10 degrees, if he has to make it stand still for Joshua, if he has to feed you with a raven, he will do what? If he has to retard the aging of your body, he did it for Abraham. 
How'd you like to have a baby at 100? Not unless I had a good-looking good body. So God did something to Sarah's body, and Abraham, she's 90. Now, some of you just sit in church. Did you think for one moment that a pagan king, that pagan king wanted Abraham's wife for his harem? A 90-year-old woman? So you know God did a rejuvenating restoration on that chassis, right? Come on. Yeah. He renewed her youth like the eagle. And oh, Abraham must have had a little bump too. Something had to happen. That's right there in the Bible. Amazing. Abimelech wanted that woman, a 90-year-old mama. Yeah. I tell you, our God can do anything. If it's part of his plan for your life, he will reverse everything in order to get it done. But verse 10 is my text. Who dares to despise, that word despise means take for granted, undervalue. Who dares despise the day of small things? So we said, great things of destiny spring out of daily faithfulness in small things. And great things are what all of us want to see, but they come out of small things we tend to take for granted or undervalue. So God's telling this prophet, do not undervalue, do not take for granted the day of small things or small beginnings. So as all of us begin to feel that God has a purpose and a destiny for our life, the danger is we lose heart while we don't see the value of where we are today. See, so we despise the day of small things because we're wanting to see the great things. So I think there's a satanic strategy to get all of us occasionally to undervalue small things, to give honor only to the biggest, prettiest, fastest, uh, most beautiful, to that which gives us the quickest result. And we just don't tend to honor the small things. So to have wisdom like Solomon had speaks of the great cedars of Lebanon all the way down to the tiny hyssop that springs out of the wall. So let me show you seven areas of stewardship where God encourages not to take for granted, not to undervalue small things. The poet wrote, for lack of a nail, the horseshoe was lost. For lack of the horseshoe, the horse was lost. For lack of the horse, the battle was lost. So I'm saying to you this morning, little things can turn destinies. And all of our destinies unfold progressively, slowly. I don't even like that word, slowly. It reminds me of 281 out here. <laughs> slowly. But that happens progressively over the years. God doesn't do it, whatever he's planned for you, overnight. He'll save you in a moment. But your destiny is going to be progressive over a long period of time. So if you'll be faithful in what God has for you today and not despise it or undervalue it, God will bring you into great things later. So the first area is faith, faith. Romans 1:17 in the Amplified says, for in the gospel, a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed, springing from faith, leading to faith. And then 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, we are being changed from glory to glory. And then Deuteronomy 7, verse 22, the Lord will drive out the enemy little by little. There ain't no overnight success. It's little by little. There's a progressiveness in the things of God. 
We grow from faith to faith. The faith I have today is not the faith I had at 30 years of age when I accepted Jesus. Oh, that sucker's a lot. I've been working out. That thing's a lot bigger. My confidence is a lot bigger. My confidence that God can do anything but fail me is way bigger because I've seen him do it in little things over a long period of time. And that builds hope and expectation that God will come through for you as well. When Jesus was faced with feeding 5,000 people, they didn't have a McDonald's. They didn't have a fast food restaurant. And Jesus turned to his team and he said, you feed them. And they said, say what? (laughs) What? And so then Jesus says to them, what have you got? What have you got? Andrew says, well, there's a little boy here with five loaves and two fish. But what is that among such a great need? See, isn't that our attitude today? We look at our life, our gifting, our resources, and we say, well, what's that among so many? The tendency is to be overwhelmed when we see our smallness versus the greatness of the challenge or problem we face. We're like guppies trying to pull a battleship. Yet James chapter 3, verse 5 says, the tongue is like a rudder on a great battleship. It's little, but that sucker can kindle a great matter. That little, that little rudder under the hundreds and thousands of tons of a battleship. Little rudder. Just turn it. When the British sank the German battle cruiser Bismarck, they only got it because one of their little torpedoes hit the rudder and it froze. And that monstrous battleship was in deep yogurt. And they killed it. But it was caused by such a little thing. So small things of God are not to be undervalued. Jesus had the magic words for Andrew with his little five loaves and two fishes, a little happy meal. He said like he's going to say to you, give it to me. Bring it to me. Bring that eighth grade education to me. Bring that divorce to me. Bring that unemployment to me. Bring that insecurity and inferiority to me. Bring it to me. What have you got? Well, I, I, I don't have much money. Bring, what have you got? He never asked, what don't you have? We could all write a book. What do you have? Some of you are sitting on your last dollar when you should have put it in the offering. That dollar or that car or that extra piece of property could be seed for your next crop. And I was always taught if it won't meet my need, I'd simply turn it into seed for my future. Be faithful with that small thing. So the little boy gave his five loaves and two fishes to Jesus. Jesus took it, blessed it, broke it, and fed 20,000 people. 5,000, they only counted men. So with women and children, somewhere near 20,000. And that little boy took home 12 baskets full. 12 baskets home to mama out of one Happy Meal. What made it great is he gave it. He was faithful with the little thing while the big, righteous, religious staff says, oh, it's not much. Can't do much with it. And if you say that, well, we won't get very far in life at all. I never felt like I had any gift. I, ne- I remember I was, when I became a Christian, they put me on a school bus. I stood in the transom in the doorway and taught the youth. We didn't even have a classroom to do it. And I remember feeling like, well, I'm not qualified to do this. I'm not competent to do this. And now I'm here. I'm thinking it started just being insecure and doing with a little bit that I had what I could do. And 
I had no idea I'd end up here. I should be in the cockpit of an F-16. But, well, well, here I am. I'm saying you just have no idea what that little bit you have, whether it's time or talent or treasure. You have no idea how God can multiply that, but it's a test. Now, you all know what a test is. You don't get promoted unless you pass a test. And so God will test you with that little job, that little income, that little bit of money you have. You say, well, I'm going to be real generous when I win the lotto. Yeah, right, okay, yeah. I'll wait for Jesus to come back, right, sure. That ain't never going to happen. No, if you're, Jesus said, if you're unfaithful with a little, you'll be unfaithful with much. And if I can't trust you with a little, I will not trust you with much. Now, Jesus was prefiguring how his life would be blessed and then broken at the cross, not damaged, but broken, and then given to the world for salvation. So God wants us to have that kind of a faith. In Luke 9, verse 17, he told a guy that had been faithful with five measly pounds, have rulership over 10 cities. So a lot of people, you ever notice they want to be boss, they want to run something, they want to head up something, they want to be in charge. But how many want to be faithful with a little bit? The guy with one pound despised it. He said, I can't do anything with that. So he hid it. He just put it in the ground, didn't use it. But Jesus translated faithfulness and small things into kingdom authority. So the only requirement for you to prosper is to be faithful with the very little you have. If I said, how many of you, don't, don't raise your hand. If I said, how many of you have very little, I'd get a ton of hands. If I turned around and said, how many of you have a lot to give to God today? Nobody would raise their hand. See? And the whole key is, everybody's got a little. And all God requires is the little you have. See? So don't despise the small thing. Okay, I'm rambling now a little bit because it's just coming into my mind. David. David was, had an obscure job. His father did not invite him when the prophet came to pick a king. He did not bring David. He left David out with a few sheep, correct? Left him in the backside of a desert. He was faithful doing what dad said, faithful keeping a few sheep, minimum wage, if that. And he was faithful. And God used the faithfulness with a few sheep to make him a ruler over a nation. He was then faithful to kill coyotes, attacking daddy's sheep. Not his sheep, daddy's sheep, but he cared for them like they were his. He killed a lion. He risked his life. He killed a bear. And then God says, we're we going up to a new level. Gave him a giant. You see what I'm saying? So you got to be faithful in a little before God gives you much. Let me give you one more. Rebecca. Rebecca is, is going to become a bride. And so the, the, the rich man, the blessed man of all the earth, Abraham, the friend of God, Abraham said, I need a wife from a boy. So he sent his servant Eliezer to get a wife from his own people. And he said, well, Lord, how am I going to know who she is? Is it going to be her weight, height, measurements? What? What?" And he prayed for a sign. So one of the traditions was when a stranger came to a village, at the end of the day, the maidens all came down to get water at the end of the day, in the cool of the day. They had to get it in a pitcher, and they had to carry it. And so he asked this maiden, he doesn't know her, for a cup of water. It was a cultural tradition, no big deal, no extra effort. She gave him water to drink. And then Rebecca said this, I'll water you ten camels too. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. You see any of these other little foxes around here doing that? 
No. They got their Louis Vuitton purses and the makeup and the mascara and pantyhose. They ain't going to get dirty for them dumb camels. Don't have to do that. And that servant said, she's the one. And those 10 camels that hold 450 gallons of water each after a 500-mile drive are dry as the Sahara Desert. And she watered every one of them. What she didn't know, <coughs> watering her camels with excellence and second effort, such an obscure, crummy deal. In the saddlebags on those camels were all her David Yerman jewelry, all her little handbags and fashion, silk dresses, gold, and all the jewelry. Read the Bible on those camels and the camels that caused her back pain and problem and stink and probably messed her up a little bit carried her right to her bridegroom Isaac and she married into the lineage of Abraham and into the lineage and what, what got her there it wasn't her bus size it wasn't her hot body I don't doubt she's probably good looking you don't get credit for marrying ugly but I'm saying I'm <laughs> I'm saying what made her stand out was she was faithful in the obscure, mundane thing. And she had no idea, this may be my husband. You just don't know. So God says, I'm testing you. Be faithful with the very little. Second area, personal disciplines. Now, we live in a nation where it, it's almost become a religion. Everybody worships being thin. You know, frankly, I'd rather see a few more fat people that just love God but it's almost become an addiction. Now, what we're looking for is not size, not even weight, but good health. You would agree. Good health. We got big bone people, little bone people, and you ain't, some of us will never be skinny, ever, till we decompose six months after we die. It just ain't going to happen. But you never find anybody who wants to be diligent in the meal they eat every day. Every day. They just want to lose 10 pounds, 20 pounds. So if you're faithful in your personal disciplines, it's easy to lose 10 pounds. But if you don't want the discipline, you're never going to lose it. And you'll go into a restaurant, and the enemy will sit on your shoulder, always does, and says, you look at what you ought to be eating here. And the enemy will say this to every one of you. Tell me if I'm lying. Well, what good is that one dessert? Or what good is that one big burger and fry? What one, what? What's that one thing going to hurt you? Well, it isn't going to hurt you. It's the problem is you've been doing 360 of them every <laughs> single day. That's what's hurting you. If I ate a candy bar and my rear end grew two inches as soon as I ate it, I'd scream. I'd throw it down. I wouldn't eat it again. But it doesn't work that way. I remember trying to do something uh, a year ago, and I said to Cindy, she's a great cook, and every night she'd bake cookies or she'd make a cake or pie, and she'd say, honey, you want some dessert? Here's my standard answer. Yep, yep, yep. And so one day I thought, I want to, I want to, I was about 216 or something, I don't know, 216 maybe, something like that. I lost 25 pounds in four months, never got on a scale, I just said, no dessert tonight and no bread. Not a big deal. And did you ever want the dessert? Oh, come on. Does a cocaine dealer want drugs? Yeah, of course I did. Of course I did. But I would say no, no. So she'd still bake, and then she'd bring it to the office, and it'd be gone in about 10 seconds. They're gone. They, don't, they didn't mind. So, but I noticed that 
my belt was having to get tighter and my pants were a little lighter. My jacket looked a little big and I had to buy, it's expensive to lose weight and you got to buy more clothes. <laughs> Am I talking real or not? Yeah. Well, you, well, Rick, what's the secret? You don't have to buy Jenny Craig. You ain't got to buy special food. Just watch a daily discipline of your choices. And it's amazing how cumulative over period of time, it adds up to big, big weight loss, right? But nobody wants that discipline. So if you can't be faithful with a little thing, you're never going to lose it. So that's why people don't exercise, why people don't run or go take a walk. You get up, you know, your flesh says, I want to sleep, I want to eat, I want to play. But if we don't win in the one meal, we, we, we'll never win in the big thing. So a lot of life, you would agree, is just routine. A lot of my life, pure routine. And I have to get up and do it every single day. You stay home, slack off from work, and ultimately you'll get fired. That's why the Bible says, little by little, I'll give you the land. When Jesus prayed, he says, give us this day our daily bread. Not monthly bread, not yearly bread. I mean, God set it up. He knows if we could get yearly bread, we would. That's like eating right once a day. No, like, like eating right one day a year and trying to be healthy. Or reading your Bible one day in a year and being spiritual. No, it's not going to happen. God says, I want to see you more than once a year. Christmas and Easter. That's for whoever needs to hear that. If you can't spend an hour a day in prayer with God, you despise 10 minutes. So you say, well, 10 minutes isn't much, so I'm just not going to pray at all. You see what happens? Better to get five minutes, better to get 10 minutes on the way to work than nothing. And you do it faithfully. Little things are important. Van Halen, one of the big rock groups in this country with David Lee Roth, was a big name band. And they used to put on huge productions and they would do it even in small markets, and they would take in nine 18-wheeler trucks to put on the show. They, their show was enormously huge and complex, and a standard contract included a rider with a ton of technical specifications meant to improve the production and to give a safe environment for the band and the audience. The rider included a clause that required bowls of M&Ms to be placed in the band's dressing room and backstage. You can Google this, by the way, a little bit later. And buried deep inside the writer of the contract was this statement, and I quote, there will be no brown M&Ms in the backstage area upon pain of forfeiture of the show with full financial compensation. See, uh, Van Halen himself was a sharp business guy. David Lee Roth was nuts, but it was Van Halen who was smart. And there was method to the madness. With thousands of technical specifications in the writer, they wanted a quick way to determine whether or not the venue had thoroughly read and complied with the requirements for a safe and successful show. So when the band would walk backstage or into a dressing room, and they saw brown M&Ms, they knew details had been missed. And they knew that if one detail had been missed, it's very likely other details had been missed, and some of those details could get you injured or killed. So every time they saw brown M&Ms, they had to go through that contract and writer with the venue owner in big detail for hours, and they always found a ton of stuff that was missed. 
However, when they didn't see brown M&Ms, they knew this guy went right to the fine details and they never saw anything missed. That rock and roll group, notorious for excessive partying, you know, besides their music, they did other things, they developed a foolproof way to determine whether or not the venue was paying attention to little things. Van Halen knew little things can make a big difference. They knew small problems have a way of becoming larger. And the most successful people know that either you pay attention to the details or you're going to pay the consequences later, right? I talked to a bunch of guys last night, and they said, I always knew the story about the M&Ms, but we thought it was because they were a bunch of conceited divas. We didn't know why the brown M&M issue. Well, that was the business guy, Van Halen, who knew, I'll find out how much detail they've read in this contract off a brown M&M. You just never know. Number three, character development. Character development. You don't have to hang off the ceiling and be weird to be charismatic. Jesus said, go make disciples. God is more interested in your character than your charisma. I don't care that you can prophesy. I don't care you saw three angels. I don't care that God gave you some miraculous gift. Thank God he did. But I'd like to know, do you tell the truth? Do you keep your word? Do you pay your bills? Do you have a good reputation in the business community or church community where you live, work, or play? Now, if you get character with charisma, you really got something great. So gifts are instant. You didn't work to get a gift. It was given by God. But it takes time to grow fruit. And most of us were weaned on the doctrine of leaving the earth any minute. And so we abandon our schools, education, art, media. We just said, well, we're leaving. Jesus is coming any second, and we're out of here. Well, he ain't showed up yet. And one day he will come. In the meanwhile, you better be busy. Not sitting around abandoning this earth why bop the floor? Why wash the car? Why be responsible? Because God says a good name is better to be chosen than great riches. You give a good name, you can get money. You got money and a bad name, nobody wants to get near you. And character is developed through a life of sowing and reaping. That takes time. You sow a thought, you reap an action. As a man thinks, so is he. Sow an action, you reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap your destiny. See, a lot of people want destiny. They want the great things, but they despise the day of small things. Number four, leadership development. Very few Christian people know the requirements of God for church leadership, and they're right clearly stated in God's Word. Most people think that to get into leadership, you've got to sing or prophesy or preach or work miracles. Your focus is on great things. But in 1 Timothy chapter 3, there are 15 requirements to be an elder. That's a, that's a church leader, right? Only two are gifts. Thirteen are character. There's not one in there that says, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. It's not there. He, doesn't, he shouldn't be addicted to wine. I mean, he can't drink wine. He said, don't be, don't be an alcoholic. Don't be an indulger. Don't overdo it. Don't be quick to lose your temper and be mean. That'll help a lot of churches settle down. A lot of people settle down. You're moderate. You're balanced. Character. That's what's important to God. God's more interested in you growing up than going up. I get your focus back there. So little things identify great spiritual leadership. 
If I borrow something from you, will I give it back? And when you get it back, will it be as good or better than when I took it? And if I broke it, did I fix it? That's character, not shikanolama baba. Yeah, yeah, my son, the Lord would say, shut up. Fix my lawnmower, you broke it. <laughs> Wash my car, you borrowed it. Does that sound right? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a meat and potato Christian. None of this goofy, goofy stuff. Pay your bill. Keep your word. You said you'd be there at 8.30. It's quarter to nine. Where are you? You said you'd teach a class. Where are you? Be prepared. Show up. Didn't call. Didn't talk. Okay, you said, well, I'm still going to heaven. Well, yeah, you are. You're going to heaven, but you're not going anywhere in the earth. You won't get promoted. And you'll wonder what's wrong. It'll be prejudice. Somebody just doesn't like me. Randy Morrison, who came from Trinidad, uh, uh, was marginalized, a single mom, no dad, came to this country with $20. He told me his story of working in welding business, uh, racism, prejudice, bigotry. He said, I knew all that going in. So what I decided to do was outwork everybody else in that plant. I became the best welder. I gave the best job. I didn't have to be watched over. And he got promoted and promoted and promoted. Then God later called him, and he has a church, speak the word church, Minneapolis, Minnesota up there. He didn't get there in one step. He decided to work through all the obstacles by being faithful with the crummy little stuff. And he was able to jump ahead of prejudice and racism, bigotry, and the obscurity of a crummy job and now he has a, a great career but he didn't happen overnight he was just faithful and what opportunity God gave him and he was extra effort second mile in what he did then number five last well one more ministry ministry 1 Corinthians 12 says every member of the body of Christ has a function there are no spare parts in the body of Jesus every member is to be a minister and the devil will tell you, well, your time, talent, or gift, well, it's marginal, it's nothing. The Bible says there are less comely parts in the body of Christ. Any of you got body parts not too spectacular? <laughs> well, what he's saying is there are ministries more spectacular than others. It's a fact. I look at a T.D. Jakes. I, I look at so, so many friends that I have in ministry and people are like, I could never do that. But I can do something. See? And, so, and, and you can do something, too. So there are ministries more spectacular than others. So people despise serving in the nursery or ushering. Well, I'm above that. And we couldn't have order in this church without those people. Think of the warm and friendly people who pick out visitors and greet them with the love of God. Give them a big hug. God bless you. Glad to see you. Everybody loves to be loved. Even Dean Martin knew you're nobody till somebody loves you. Even, come on. Surely church people ought to know that. Wow. And last, how about marriage and family? What makes a marriage great ain't the big things. It's the little things. Courtesy. Let me get that for you, sweetheart. I'll go get it. No, no, I'll run down there and get it. I'll pick it up. I'll do that. Affection, cards, compliments, uh, a call. How you doing, huh? Just checking on you. You doing all right? All faithfully done well. Sitting together, talking quietly together. It's not a great vacation. It's not a new car. It's not a mink coat. It's not a bigger house. And it's the same with children. I don't remember anybody ever sitting on my bed uh, telling me they believed in me, praying over me, talking to me for two minutes, telling how much they, uh, what a great future you have. Son, I believe in you. I'm so proud of you. But I did that with my kids. I didn't get it done, but I did it to them. And oh, do I lavish it on my grandchildren. I believe in them. Self-worth. 
self-esteem. You can do this, all of us, just a few minutes. The number one complaint from most wives is, he doesn't talk to me. It's never, never a girl saying, he didn't take, he didn't took me to Paris in 10 years. <laughs> never happens. He didn't buy me a convertible BMW 325i. Now, shoot, what a dog I married. Ne never happens. No. They look at the great things. It's just little things that are important. And last, how about time? Many researchers say the most precious commodity today is time, not money. Am I getting to the place I value time? Well, when you get my age, you'll value it. I mean, those sands of the hourglass are running down. I'm going to too many funerals. <laughs> people, people tell me, what do you want people to say at your funeral, Brother Rick? I'd like somebody to just say, my God, he's moving. Look. <laughs> That's what I want to say. I'm not, I don't care how much you love Jesus. I ain't into that dying business. I, I'm not, doesn't flick my switch at all. Jesus said, occupy till I come. That means get busy now. Get to work and work it till I come. Quit worrying about when I'm going to come. I got more books and more billions of dollars made off books that never came true. And some of you bought them. And there's nobody that can tell you when Jesus is coming back. All he told his disciples was, not for you to know. Be filled with my spirit and go and preach the gospel to all the nations. Now do that. We write books on it's not for you to know. And we don't get filled with the spirit. And we don't go be good witnesses in the earth. What we are clearly told to do. Ephesians 5 verse 15. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise men and women, redeeming the time because the days are evil. You can get money back, you can get a lot back, but you can't get your car back, get your job back. But I listened to a country record backwards. You get your job back, your wife back, your dog back. No, you can get everything back, but time, you can't get it back. I know I'm getting older because the other day I bent down to put on my socks and the thought came to my mind, what else can I do while I'm down here? Well, <laughs> What? Great things of destiny. Spring. <laughs> I'm terrible. Spring forth out of daily faithfulness and little things. Bow your head with me. You're, you're a great crowd today. I appreciate it. I think you got it, right? Come on, tell me you got it. You got it. I got to be faithful with my little crummy job, my crummy income, my little bitty tithe of my income. If I'm faithful with God with my little, he'll trust me with much. It's inevitable. It will happen. So love right where you are today. If you're in the will of God and you are where you are today because you are in the will of God, great things are still ahead, but it's a test. Be faithful with the little thing you have because you never know what's going to happen. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.